Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's May 15th, 1930, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ollie. The Retrospectors. In the early days of aviation, the handful of travellers brave enough to take to the skies to reach their destination would have to hope for a friendly co-pilot if they wanted a drink, a snack or a sick bag during their flight. <laughs> so you, you can imagine the excitement of passengers boarding the Boeing 80A biplane, which departed San Francisco today in history in 1930, when they were greeted by Ellen Church, the first ever air stewardess. Yeah, the S is important there because <laughs> the first flight attendant in the world was a man, big up Heinrich Kubis, let's not forget him, who worked on board a passenger Zeppelin in 1912. But there had never been a female flight attendant until this day, when there weren't just one, actually, there were eight air stewardesses who began work on this day. So Ellen Church uh, was born in Cresco, Iowa in 1904, and she always loved flying. But after she graduated from high school, being no opportunities for female pilots, uh, she did a nursing degree. And then she moved to San Francisco uh, and started working as a nurse. But then she just on the side started taking her own private flying lessons and earned a private pilot's license. And she walked into Boeing Air Transport office in San Francisco one day and just applied for position as a pilot, but she was quickly disabused of the notion and uh, told in no uncertain terms that they didn't actually employ women. Steve Simpson, who was the district manager in the San Francisco office, told her that the airline was actually planning to hire some male stewards like those in the European airlines. And she then said, well, okay, well, why don't I do that job? And she talked up her nursing skills as a way to kind of seal the deal yeah, and her nursing experience was important in a couple of ways. One was just the practicality. The reality was that not only were people afraid to fly, I mean, to be honest, understandably, the accident <laughs> rate was you know, extremely high at the time, but also because planes couldn't reach the high altitudes that they fly at today, air sickness was way more common. You know, the flights mm. were super bumpy. So mm. people were already very anxious to board the plane. And so she thought that the presence of a nurse might be reassuring to them. She said later, as she was speaking kind of in retrospect about her career to New York Times, and she described her argument to Stimson thusly. Don't you think it would be good psychology to have women up in the air? How is a man going to say he is afraid to fly when a woman is working on the plane? She was able to sell nursing as a way to make the position of flight attendant seem like an acceptable job for a woman. I think now we think of flight attendant as being kind of a female coded job because it involves caring, because it involves customer service. But if you think from a 1920s perspective, the closest equivalent would have been a ship steward or a railway porter. And those are male jobs. You know, women were, yes, they were meant to be looking after people, but they were meant to be doing it in a private domestic setting or, you know, a semi-private setting like a hospital. Mm. Public facing service roles were still seen as a male preserve. So comparing it to nursing in a hospital, which was, you know, one of the few jobs that was acceptable for women to be doing in public was actually a really clever move for her. So they had these eight 
air stewardesses on their hands. And, you know, they, yes, there were these requirements of them being small enough to fit into these tiny little boxes. They could weigh no more than 52 kilograms or 115 pounds. They had to be no taller than five feet and four inches. But also even at this stage, you can detect the sexism that was being built into the role because they also had to be single. So that doesn't seem to align terribly easily considering that the duties that they were expected to undertake did include caring for the sick and frightened passengers. But then also things like taking tickets, loading and unloading luggage, helping refuel the plane, passing out lunches, etc. I mean, none of these things would require you to be single rather than married, you would have thought. (laughs) And they referred to them as sky girls Mm. as well. Yeah, stewardesses would be let go if they got married, if they gained weight, or if they had the temerity to reach their 30s. That soon became (laughs) default as well. But despite these stringent requirements, the, the role of air stewardess as it, you know, started to expand was extremely popular. It was very mm-hmm. sought after. I mean, this was during the Depression and you had all these young women who, you know, were more educated than ever and looking for jobs outside the home. Aviation was, you know, the trendy new industry of the time. And they couldn't get on a plane otherwise. I and mean, as we said with church, if mm-hmm. you were a female plane geek, this was the only way you could get in the air unless yeah. your husband could afford a ticket. So, I mean, you know, of course it's going to be popular. And also, by the way, just because it's sexist, to say, you know, you can't come up unless you're single. Some of them would have been looking for husbands as well, right? That would have been another appeal. Meet people who can afford plane tickets mm. and pilots. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty good tactic, to be honest. If you're a, you know, go-getting gal in the middle of the Depression, what better way to get your, <laughs> get your ticket out of poverty? I mean... Right. And at the end of the journey, they helped the pilots push the plane back into the hangar. Bear in mind they've been chosen mm. for their small physical frame. That's not the easiest thing to do after a hard day <laughs> nursing and serving champagne. Yeah, and the cabin maintenance wasn't just restricted to you know cleaning and mopping. They also had to yeah. tighten the bolts yeah. that held the seats to the plane. You know, it's a pretty heavy duty work. And there were actually instances, even right at the beginning, when the medical skills of that early generation of astrodesses did come in handy. You know, aside from passing out sick bags to the nauseated passengers, there was one incident in 1936 where a 22 year old teen. PWA stewardess called Nellie Granger became a national heroine. She was on a plane that crashed in a mountainous region of Pennsylvania. She pulled trapped passengers from the wreckage, she treated their injuries, and then she trekked several miles through the snow to raise the alarm. So even from the beginning, there was an understanding that, you know, stewardesses weren't just there to hand around, you know, hand around snacks, Mm. that they did have that level of responsibility. And I think that has only grown more and more over time. Also, just as another little snapshot about what the planes were like at the time, some of their other responsibilities were making sure that passengers didn't walk through the emergency exit, which presumably <laughs> was a simple enough door that you could just kind of open yeah. it up and and Oh, what's in here? Outside. Yeah, <laughs> whoa! <laughs> um, but, and also to restrain passengers from tossing their garbage out of the windows. So it wow. really was those sort of windows oh, that just God. slide open and <laughs> get a breath of fresh air and slide back again. <laughs> Okay, well, this sort of negates one of my points because I was going to say it's crazy that they had four stewardesses for 15 passengers on this inaugural flight, <laughs> yeah. but now seeing how much mischief yeah, they could have been a one to one four is actually ratio. a low number. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of amazing that uh, Ellen Church, this person who came up with the idea to be an air stewardess, was a registered nurse as well as a licensed pilot. Mm. And then after her period doing this, actually served as a captain in the Army Nurses Corps and received the Air Medal for Distinguished Service in the European Theatre. The airfield in her hometown in Iowa is named in her honour. 
And yet, <laughs> the mm. legacy kind of was old trolley dollies who hand you sandwiches. It's extraordinary. Like, it's a product of the era, I suppose. But once other industries saw what she'd achieved and come up with, when people were looking for stewardesses on the railroads, they started insisting on modelling experience as well as nursing experience. It was kind of in the 1950s that things really started to become a bit more sexualized. You had the rise of seasonal uniforms. An airline called Aloha's flight attendants debuted that exact concept, kind of in-flight entertainment that was based around these different uniforms that they had at different points with singing and hula dancing and ukulele <laughs> playing and so on. <laughs> See, this is the perfect example of hierarchy of needs. You know, people are no longer terrified to be flying. <laughs> now that you're comfortable in your seat, you want, you know, your astute has to be wearing a grass skirt and bringing you a right, cocktail and yeah. a pineapple. And I think the peak of sexism was the 60s, mm. really. I mean, the American Airlines stewardess school was nicknamed the Charm Farm. They used to prescribe diet pills to their stewardesses to keep their weight down. Mm. So charming. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Braniff Airlines had an onboard air stewardess striptease. Whoa. Yeah, Braniff also used to advertise saying, how do you like your stewardesses? And they had another ad that read, does your wife know you're flying with us? Air France as well, in, in response to that, had, have you ever done it the French way with a picture of an air stewardess? Well. <laughs> I mean, if the stewardesses are supposed to be spending all their time shagging the passengers, who's going to bolt down the seats? <laughs> <laughs> but you know... It was as re- I know it was done slightly tongue-in-cheek, but it was as recently as the noughties that Virgin was still advertising, you know, armies of air stewardesses walking through the airport looking sexy as their marketing yeah. campaign. And also people responded to it in the way that they wanted to work in the industry. You know, by 1967, TWA accepted fewer than 3% of the applicants who actually tried to become air stewardesses, which was a lower acceptance rate than Harvard University. So it was really a place that you might want to go if you wanted to advance your career. Yeah, and that was despite those stringent requirements, which remained in place for a surprisingly long time. The first one to fall was the age discrimination. Equality legislation in the civil rights era made it illegal to fire women for turning 32. But the marriage bans persisted on some airlines right up into the 1980s, and the weight requirements weren't legally banned until the 1990s. And it's actually only in the last few years that rules about dress and makeup have started Mm. to face pushback. And you're still seeing kind of on the down low, airlines in their recruitment processes sort of indicating the sort of kind of person they're looking for, which is advertised in the form of an attractive young woman. I mean, Singapore Airlines still pretty much advertises that way, don't they? Although slightly different again to Southwest Airlines, whose 1971 campaign read, it's just shocking that this existed, but it read, I'm going to fly you as you've never been flown before. (laughs) Tomorrow. But the thing that he was actually wearing if you wore today, you would look like a peacock if you stepped outside. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.